Good morning, everybody. Um, it's a blessing to be here with you this morning, and I'm sure there'll be the others filtering in, but I think we'll go ahead and, and get started. And I'd like to, to open us in prayer. Um, Lord, this morning we just come to you and um, are mindful of the fact that um, you are why we're here. In you we live and, and move and have our being, and everything we do today we want to do for your glory. Um, I ask that you come, be with us right now, send your Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Um, teach us the things that you would have us to learn. Um, uh, just uh, use your Holy Spirit to, to speak to each of our, our hearts and our minds that we might uh, serve you better and glorify you and all the earth. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, my name is uh, Larry Frick, and I serve as Director of Medical Missions for Go International, which is a, a mission agency based here in Wilmore, Kentucky. And we uh, work through um, international partnerships with indigenous ministries and work in taking short-term teams uh, to do uh, all kinds of different uh, ministries from church planning and evangelism to Oh, thank you. Okay, gotcha. Um, we do church planning and evangelism, uh, pastor training, children's ministry, and one of the things we do is medical ministry, which is my area of focus with with the ministry. I've been taking short-term teams uh, overseas for a number of years. Uh, when I was still in, in practice, I would often come back from a trip and be in the office with patients, and patient would say something like, you know, where you been? How was your vacation? And I'd say, well, it really wasn't a vacation. We were doing a mission trip. And they would say something like, oh, is that like Doctors Without Borders? And, you know, I, it's like Doctors Without Borders has the credit for every type of medical mission around the world, it seems, in, in patients' minds. And, but it did get me thinking a little bit, what do we do that's different from a humanitarian group like that? In other words, if we're going on a mission trip that's a Christian medical mission, how is that different from uh, a humanitarian type of trip. And it got me thinking about a lot of things over the years, and so I've put some of those thoughts together in the um, things that I want to share with you this morning. So I don't come to you necessarily having all the ans- answers or saying that I'm the one that gets to define what's Christian and what's not. That's not the heart of, of the talk. But what the heart of the talk is, is as servants of Christ, when we do get involved in medical missions, particularly in the area of short-term medical teams, how do we do that in a way that Rory reflects that we're serving Christ, and what does that mean as we serve and, and work in the mission field? So that's where we're going with the talk, and that's kind of the heart of what, what I want to share with you this morning. Um, we will start uh, using a, a medical talk model for how we're going to walk through this. We will look at what some of the different uh, other types of trips might be, what defines uh, Christian medical mission particularly, And then what are some specific action steps that we can take that will help us implement uh, some of the things we talk about this morning? So feel free if I say something that really doesn't make any sense to to stop me, ask questions, and maybe we'll have a little time for question and discussion at the end as well. So we want to start with a differential diagnosis. If we're trying to make a definition of what is a Christian medical mission, then we kind of want to look at what some of the other potential um, things that can look like that would be. And I kind of alluded to one already, and that's this whole idea of uh, humanitarian mission. And there are lots of groups that do very good work serving the needs of underserved people around the world. And 
we don't take away from that in any way. Um, that, that is a good thing, and people meet like to meet needs, and um, that is something that, that lots of different groups are doing around the world. But the question becomes is, is our Christian medical trip different from that? When we do it in the name of Christ, what does that mean as opposed to doing it just in the name of helping people because of humanitarian means? The, the other piece in the differential is a term that I learned from a, an article that appeared in JAMA a few years ago. It was called Duffel Bag Medicine. And it was in their sort of editorial piece of my, a piece of my mind section of JAMA where people can write in about pretty much any topic. And this person wrote in, um, really critical of what she had seen uh, living in Guatemala with different groups that would come in and do what she called duffel bag medicine. Basically, they put a bunch of medicines in a duffel bag, get on a plane, go somewhere that seemed to be in great poverty and underserved, and begin just kind of dishing out medicines. Maybe they had medical training, maybe not. It could have been in a Christian context, not necessarily, but it was just really critical, that whole concept. And it really got me thinking about what we do when we go and serve uh, trying to bring uh, short-term medical teams. And, and how do we do that in a way that, that honors God? Um, and so between those kind of two extremes of leaving God out of the equation and maybe God's in the equation, but we don't have all the other things we really need to do to serve him in an excellent way, that's where we want to get to with the idea of what does a Christian medical mission look like. So I've kind of come up with four E's that I think will help us remember what, what a Christian medical mission looks like. Um, the first one's evangelistic. First E. We'll just kind of go through the E's now. The second one is excellent. It needs to be done with excellence. The, the third E is empathic. It has to be done with love and caring and compassion. And then the fourth E is empowering. We want to to empower those that, that we're going to serve. And also empower the folks that, that we're taking with us as well. And so if we can work through those four E's, I think we'll have a pretty good picture of what a Christian medical mission looks like. So let's look at some of those, and we'll look at some scriptures that go, go with them. The first E is evangelistic. And when we think about evangelism, our minds in the scriptures often go to this uh, passage in, in Matthew we call the Great Commission. And Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, whatever else we do in life as Christians, whenever we're seeking out what is God's will, we're always drawn back to here. These are our marching orders as followers of Christ. We're to go and make disciples. So if we're trying to do medical care as Christians, then that needs to be a part of it, because that's our overall arching um, order from our king, to go and make disciples. So evangelism has to be a part of anything that we would call a Christian medical mission team. What evangelism looks like might be different in a lot of different contexts. This is another formulation in the scripture of the, the Great Commission. Um, Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is a great reminder to us, because um, many of you may have seen that uh, movie. It's fairly old now, Chariots of Fire. Um, 
the um, Christian runner Eric Liddell, who went on to become a, a, a missionary, um, says that we will always be witnesses. We can't help but be witnesses. Wherever we go, we will either draw people toward Christ or repel people from Christ. And so we are witnesses. So even in settings where we may be delivering medical care in a, a creative access country, a country where evangelism might not look like what it would look in a more open society, um, it's still at our heart, and we're still doing it with that intent that not only are we sharing medical care, but we're sharing Christ. So evangelism needs to be at the heart of anything that we plan as a medical mission. The next key to evangelism is partnership. Um, the Great Commission says go and do what? Make disciples. Right. It doesn't say go and make converts, make people who pray a prayer or check a box on a card. But it says make disciples. And making disciples is a long-term process. Um, so if we're going to be involved in a long-term process... We need to be involved with people who can help carry on that process. If we go in with any kind of mission team, medical, evangelistic, construction, whatever, if we're not involved in partnership, then we're really not in a position to say that we've done something to help make disciples. Because even as people come to Christ through the, whatever outreach we do, there's still that discipleship process that needs to take place. So we have to be working with a, a ministry that can, can help carry that on. And so... Philippians uh, 1 talks about this partnership. He says, I thank God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray for you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. So that whole idea of partnership in the gospel is really key if we're going to really make our, our mission team evangelistic. I think the third key to making our outreach evangelistic is integrating physical and spiritual ministry. If we go as um, delivering medical care, then how well we integrate that with the spiritual ministry that goes with that is going to be the key to, to the uh, evangelistic uh, success of it. Um, this is something that Jesus demonstrated for us very clearly in his work. He said, uh, Gospel says in Matthew twenty or Matthew four twenty three, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus is our model for integrating medical or physical and spiritual ministry. And he went about healing and preaching the gospel. Um, whatever the situation was, he met someone where their physical need was, and that was the springboard to um, their spiritual ministry. Um, we heard a lot about that last night, um, if you were to be in the session, and um, it's, it's clear that that was Jesus' model. But not only was that Jesus' model, that was the model that he wants us, his disciples, to follow. When he sent them out in Luke 9, it says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he, he sent them out to do spiritual ministry and physical ministry both. And so, again, that's our model, and the better we integrate those two together, the more effective our evangelistic outreach. And we'll talk about some ways to do that. And then I think the, the other important one to help us with this whole idea of evangelistic outreach is dependence upon the Holy Spirit. If we're going to do spiritual ministry, then we need to be filled with the Spirit. 
John 15, 5 is just one of many verses we could look at uh, in this regard. But it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, We are so dependent on the Holy Spirit if we want to think that we're going to do anything to serve God, and especially in the area of evangelism. Uh, This is Luis in this picture, a man I met in Bogota, Colombia this summer. And he's a good example of this, because the day that I met Luis, God really used his Holy Spirit to really help me see this. Uh, We were uh, working with our partner there, who has a program that feeds children. He has multiple feeding centers in the different slums and poor areas of Bogota. And so different teams of ours over the years had come and done different things to help with the, the ministry there. But one of the things that they saw was there was still a lot of medical need there. Even though they were in a big city... The, the families and the children had no access to the medical care that was there because of their poverty. And so they asked us to bring a medical team, and, and we were there. And one day we were in one of the centers in Vista Hermosa, and it was very busy. And I had remembered my discussion with our partner that morning because he was very clear that we needed to be finished and be leaving that part of town at a certain time because as darkness came, there was a lot of safety issues for the team, and here he wanted us to be done at a certain time. So, of course, things were very busy that day, and there were still a lot of people to be seen, and we were getting close to that time. And I was starting to have all these things on my mind about what we were going to do and how we were going to do this with the team. And Luis comes in. And I sat down and started to examine him, and I was just amazed. He had the the most incredible case of gout that I'd ever seen. Um, It had been untreated for so many years that they had these big um, gouty tophi that um, were like anything you could see in the book, but more. So I brought my medical students over, and I was showing them, because that's not the kind of thing that, that we've typically seen. And there wasn't a lot that I could do for him at that point, uh, because his disease was so advanced. But we talked about the things we could do and, and uh, some things that he could get there in, in Bogota. And, and then I wrapped things up, and I was praying, prayed for him. And it just seemed like there was this look on his face, like there was something more, like we weren't done. And I was thinking, oh, man, we're busy, you know, we got all these people, and I've already taken a lot of time with this. And, and the Holy Spirit just nudged me and said, there's something more in Luis's life. And so I just asked him, I said, Luis, what's going on? And he said, I want to know about Jesus. Yeah. Great. And so we walked through that, and, and it wasn't, I mean, we, I didn't do anything. There wasn't any evangelism involved here. He wanted to know Jesus, and we just walked him through that. And he had just, you know, God had done all that, and that was in his life, and the Holy Spirit just worked in that situation to, to remind me that Luis had a need and there was something more in his life. And it was all God and it was all the Holy Spirit. And just as a reminder that even when we're trying to do medical care, we've got to be open to the Holy Spirit because there's going to be people coming in that, that have a need and we got to want to be sensitive to that. We won't always be able to see those needs without the Holy Spirit, especially when we get busy and focused on things like I was that day. But if we at least are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he can help remind us and nudge us. So um, anything that, that we do in a spiritual ministry has to depend on the Holy Spirit. The second E we want to talk about is excellence. And the scriptures, uh, again, are a great help to us. Um, it says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. So that 
Anything that we're doing needs to be done with excellence. In Colossians 3.23, it says it like this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So when we go in and and do any kind of ministry, we want to do it to the very best of our ability and with excellence. Um, I referenced that article that I told you about in JAMA, that duffel bag medicine. You could do that with Christian intent, but you're not doing it with excellence. And so whatever we do, we want to do our medical care with excellence, and we also want to be excellent in our evangelism and our mission strategy. And when we get to the uh, application part, I'll give you some, some places you can go to learn about that. But excellence is, has to be a part of what we do. Um, for those of you that might be familiar with the Sailing Solution, which is a, a course that CMDA has put together for teaching people how to evangelize in the medical setting, uh, C. Everett Koop, the forging, former Surgeon General, basically says you really have to have earned the right to be heard. And that is so true. And the way that we earn the right to be heard with the people we get to serve is by doing it with excellence. So... Empathic is the third E, and that's that love and compassion that we show people. And our love and compassion for our patients should be what sets us apart. Matthew 22:39, love your neighbor as yourself. So love is, is the key to that. 1 John uh, 3, 17 and 18 expands on that. He says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And so it's not enough just to see a bad situation and have some kind of emotional response or a pity, but we really need to, to demonstrate love. And part of why we go and share in medicine and healthcare is because that's one way that we can do that. When people have a medical need, a physical need, we can, can share that. But even in doing that, we still have to do it with love. We can't just go and, and show up and think just because we're there doing something that that love's going to come through because um, it doesn't necessarily. We can go and serve, but we can do it without love, and, and it can mean nothing. So um, it really does need to set us apart. The other place where, where love comes in is how we relate to each other. Typically, we're doing this as a team. And so our spirit of love and unity among ourselves can be a testimony as well. The scriptures say this, uh, John 17, May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So we want the world to know that Jesus loves them. And how are they going to know that? By what they see in us and how we relate to each other. Our unity um, is the uh, way that God demonstrates his love to them. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Again, we want to make disciples. People have to know what it looks like to be a disciple. And the way that they learn that is by the love that they see the Christians share for each other. So our relationships with each other on a team, our relationships with our national partners are going to be the one way that people will see, hey, those Christians have something that we want. And so uh, empathy is um, a key. And then the fourth E is empowering. 
Um, Timothy says it like this, The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. And here we get into this whole idea of multiplication. The idea that if we're going to make disciples, we need to be making disciples that will in turn make other disciples. Um, it can't just stop. We're just one generation away from 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 losing um, our discipleship. So um, we really want to try to be empowering uh, to the people that, that we go to serve. So we've talked about the four E's, about evangelism and about empathy and about empowerment um, and about excellence. And we want to know, okay, what can we do with this? How can we really apply these things and put them into action? And the first step, I think we have to step back and evaluate. And let's look at what we're doing and say, you know, are we really doing these things uh, in a way that fulfills these ease that um, makes our mission Christian? So we always want to step back and examine ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to help us in that. Um, look at those ease. I think another thing that's really key, if we're going to reach out to others in the name of Christ, is we have to seek first the kingdom of God in our own lives. We're never going to be able to serve in a Christian way if we're not walking with Christ everywhere day to day. Um, there's a man named George Mueller who was uh, lived in England um, in the, the last century, two centuries ago, I guess now. And he... Um, built a great ministry working with orphans and built many different orphan homes and schools and, and different ministries and um, is a great example to us of serving people in love. But he said the key to his life, he said his first priority was to make himself every day happy in the Lord. So, you know, he said there might be other things that press on you, maybe urgent things, maybe things that uh, are important in your Christian service. But if we don't make ourselves first happy in the Lord, if we don't have that connection to the Lord ourselves every day, then we're not going to be able to do anything in a truly Christian way. And so I always want to seek first God's kingdom in our own lives, and then we can begin to, to spread out in that. And then just start with one of the E's. You know, Look at, at what we're doing and say, okay, what can we do in these areas that will help us? So I want to kind of look at these areas now from more of the prescription angle. We've talked about our diagnosis, what a medical, a Christian medical mission looks like, but what are some things practically that we can do to, to implement some of these ideas? First thing we'll talk about is evangelism, and there are a lot of things that, that we can say about that. So much of what we do in evangelism is going to depend on the context. Uh, what evangelism looks like in Latin America it's going to be very different from what it looks like in a closed country in North Africa. Um, so context really, really matters um, in terms of how we do it. Um, we want to be culturally sensitive and appropriate to what things the people where we're going will respond to. Um, and that's why, again, we get back to this whole idea of partnership. Uh, as we're working with local churches and local Christians in this whole area of evangelism, they, we need to, as much as possible, have them take the lead. They will be the ones that will be following up with the whole discipleship process after, so they need to be intimately involved at the beginning of, of this whole idea of evangelism. 
there are a number of great tools out there, and you can look around the conference uh, this weekend even and visit some of the displays and see what some of the different things that are out there. Just some ideas have been used in uh, Christian medical teams or things like the Jesus film, which can be a, a great way to, to share with people as they're waiting or as they're going through your, your clinic experience. Um, Vanja Cubes just uh, one of a number of different type of things um, that you can use to share the gospel in a, a simple, understandable way. Just testimonies from, from people on your team. You know, just stand up and say, you know, I don't have to, you don't have to know uh, great theological truths. You just got to be able to tell, what did Jesus do in my life? And as people just share that at that basic level, that can have a big, powerful impact in, in our evangelism. And then we've talked about this a little bit already, but part of evangelism is how well we integrate our physical and spiritual ministry as we're serving patients. And there are a number of things that we can do there. Uh, praying with patients can be very key. Um, just, you know, we may not have time to go through a big, long gospel presentation with every single patient, but we can pray with most people. Now, it's important as we do this that we do it with their permission, that we ask permission. Uh, we don't want any hint of any kind of coercion or anything like that. But if we ask people if they want to pray, most of the time they'll say yes. They may not be Christian, they may have another faith tradition. But they're willing to let us pray for them, and that, that speaks volumes. It, it tells them that the real source of their healing is not these pills that we gave or this procedure that we did, but the real source of healing is God. And, and we can model that for them simply by praying for them. And our prayers, of course, go to the, the King of Kings who wants to draw them into himself. So anything we do in evangelism has to be bathed in prayer. So just, just taking time to pray with patients can be really key. Looking for spiritual problems presenting with physical symptoms is another key. And that can be a real open door to evangelism. Many times we will have patients that come in with a litany of physical complaints and ailments. I can think of a lady that came to visit our team when we were in Peru one time. And uh, a friend of mine that was serving on the team actually saw her. And he got really frustrated because she had... This complaint, that complaint, every, every symptom under the book. And the other thing he was really frustrated by was we were going there to try to serve the, you know, the poor, the people that didn't have access to care. And she, this lady happened to be really well off and was uh, clearly had lots of medical care. She was bringing in what this doctor did, that doctor did. He was like, God, why, why are we here? What are we doing? You know, this is wasting my time. We want to serve these people that really have a need. And, you know, I can't help this. And... God really just, again, through the Holy Spirit, spoke to him and said, there's, there's something here that you need to, to deal with in her life. And through talking to her and ex- exploring the situation, it turns out that she had had um, an abortion and that a lot of her symptoms were as a result of what that was doing in her heart and in her life and the guilt that she was carrying and those kind of things. So we see lots and lots of physical symptoms that... Uh, come in, but the real root is a spiritual problem. And so we want to always uh, keep an open mind, an open eye, an open ear to that, because that's going to be a key um, to opening the door to to evangelism and to to leading people to encounter Christ. When we do that, when we are attuned to finding those spiritual problems, then we have another dilemma. Because a lot of the spiritual problems are not solved quickly. 
And a lot of the spiritual problems come in a cultural context that we really don't necessarily have a great uh, preparation or understanding to be able to deal with. So again, this idea of partnership becomes really, really important. Utilizing local pastors, local church people, um, local counselors um, for spiritual counseling is another key to to our evangelism. Uh, We want to work with the local church. We want to connect people that come to the local church. And so having them involved and available for spiritual counseling as we uncover these spiritual problems uh, becomes a really important key to, to our evangelism. Excellence. What are some things that we can do to make our medical mission excellent? There are lots and lots, and that is a whole talk in and of itself, probably a whole series of talks. But I just want to point you to a few resources that I think are helpful. Um, As we look at excellence, I think we have a couple areas of excellence we want to focus on. One is excellence in our medical care. Again, it's not enough to say, well... Something's better than nothing, so whatever we do is going to be good. That's, that's not the heart we want to serve with. Um, there are things that we can do to do uh, medical care, even in resource-limited situations, in an excellent way that, that help people and, and don't harm people. And so we want to do that. One source that has put together uh, some standards that I want to point you to is this group, Best Practices in Global Health Missions. And the website is there for you on the screen. But but go and look at that. There are a lot of things that we can do that are are best practices. Um, Some are more evidence-based than others. Some of these areas we don't have a lot of evidence, so we have to just do the best practice we can. But there are things that we can do to do this with excellence, and it's very important that as, for those of you especially that might be leading or planning teams or setting things up, uh, to do do things in an excellent manner. So definitely encourage you to to look at that and, and to do what we can with excellence. The other piece I think we really need to think about is our missiology. We want excellence in our medical care. But we also want excellence in, in our approach to missions. You know, how do we engage people with the gospel? And so that becomes another key to, to what we do. A um, couple things that I think are really helpful in that regard. First of all, there's a whole group that's developed standard of excellence in short-term missions. So in the context of short-term medical team, there are things that we can do, and a lot of them are some of the things that we've talked about. How do you engage with partners? How do you plan things that um, are mutually beneficial to the partner and to ourselves? How do we plan things where we don't just go in and, and cause a mess and, and try to do our Western or American way and, and, and uh, take over things, but, but how can we engage in our partnerships? And what are all the other things that we can do to make our, our mission trip really excellent? The other thing I want to encourage you in is if you have not um, had uh, much mission training, if you're not been to a seminary or Bible college type of a, a, a thing, um, a course called Perspectives can be really helpful in giving you a broad view of missions. Uh, one of the thing, traps that we can fall into is we might go on a short-term team or be involved in a certain kind of mission or with a certain mission organization or agency, and that becomes our view of missions. And we think, well, that's what missions is. And it turns out that's just a small piece. I mean, you kind of get that idea already here, walking around and seeing all the different people in the uh, exhibit hall, that there are lots of different aspects to mission. But this course perspectives can be really helpful in giving us a biblical background, giving us uh, mission history, mission strategy. They do have a a display here, so stop by there, and they can link you either through the website or or at their, their booth to where you might be getting involved in that course. So just encourage you to do that. That will increase your excellence in, in your missions. 
empathic. I think one of the most practical things as we want to give, uh, display love and compassion to people is just remembering that we're servants. Um, you know, we go um, to serve. And that really can be something that people will see and will see a difference. When we go um, as humanitarians, we can serve at a certain level. And that's a good thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when we go with the love of Christ, it adds a whole new dimension. And people really do see that. that that's what makes medical missions such an effective evangelism strategy, because people can see that. It gives us a chance to show that love and that care for people. Um, but we do have to remember that, because sometimes we get busy, we get focused on ourselves and the, the stress we're going through. We get focused on the project and how busy it is and how many patients we want to see and all this stuff. And just have to remember, first and foremost, we're there to serve and do everything that we do with an attitude of love. And when we do that, people will notice and they'll, they'll want to see more about this uh, God that we serve. And then the, the fourth area of empowering. What are things that we can do to make our mission trip empowering to the people we go to serve in such a way that it will have an impact long after, after we leave? The first one, we'll come back to it again, is this whole idea of partnership. Um, as we go, we want to empower those uh, national partners. We've talked about the fact that that partnership is the basis for follow-up and for disciple-making. One of the goals is to, uh, the outreach really needs to be to elevate the status of our partner in the community. Now, ultimately, our goal is to glorify God, so God gets all the glory. But down from that is we want the community to see our partner, what the church or the ministry they're working with is doing. Because when we walk away, we want, don't want people to think, well, that was you know, this group that did that. We want it to be all in the name of that, that church and that ministry so that they have that connection in long term. So we want to really empower our partner and do things to enhance their stature in the community. At the same time, we need to avoid harm because anything that we do that causes harm is going to be fall back and blamed on that, that partner. So it's very important that, that we try to elevate that. The other thing is the medical team can be a great training opportunity for local churches and pastors. It gives them a chance to practice their evangelism skills, their counseling skills. It gives them a vision to see maybe we can reach out as a church in a holistic way. Maybe they haven't done much holistic ministry as a church. Maybe they've been like many of our American churches and we just focus on ourselves. And so getting them involved in the medical outreach becomes a great training opportunity. Um, this is Pastor Vaughn in Honduras, and, and we served with his church last year. And I'll be going back, and just so impressed with the church. They really understand service. And such a high percentage of their people in the church were involved in the outreach, and, and they everything that needed done, they wanted to do, and they wanted to grow and learn. And it really became an empowering thing for them to give them the opportunity to serve and also becomes a training ground because as we go back, now we have this relationship. And we have this focus of, well, here are things that we can do that we can share with them that they can go on and begin to, to serve even long after we're gone. And we'll talk about some, some ways we can do that. Um, in Nepal recently we were there. And, you know, the church is in Nepal are, are still fairly new, fairly young, fairly young Christians. Don't have a deep history of discipleship necessarily. And so just being able to work with us and learn, how do I pray with someone? You know, they, they may know how to pray within the church, but how do I pray with someone who comes that is sick? How do I share 
the word with them. Um, again, it becomes just a, a huge training opportunity, um, partnering with them and being part of that team. Another thing we really want to focus on is building capacity in the local medical community when we go with a medical team. Always want to work with local doctors. We can learn so much from them um, and do such a, such a much better job when we do that. Where those local doctors may not be Christian, it becomes a great opportunity to share with them and witness with them. So working together with them, you build relationships, and becomes another avenue for evangelism. If we're working with local Christian doctors, then sometimes we have the opportunity to share some things and be empower them as well. Uh, maybe we're working with local Christian doctors, but they haven't been involved in mission themselves. And so by getting involved with us, we can stimulate them to think about, okay, these doctors are involved in mission. How can I be involved in mission? And what are some things we can do there? Um, we've done sailing solution training with some of the doctors we've worked with in Peru where we've just talked about how do we share our faith every day in our medical practice. There's all different kinds of things we can do. We just have to go in with the idea that we're not just going to go in and do our thing. We're going to try to build the capacity of the people we're working with. And then one of the greatest tools that, that I'm aware of and advocate uh, for is this whole idea of uh, community health evangelism as a way to empower people that we work with. Um, community health evangelism seamlessly integrates evangelism and discipleship and disease prevention and community-based development. And so lots of avenues we can do that with a medical team. Um, kind of the first avenue is more what I would just consider community health teaching. Whenever we go, we want to empower people. Some of the people we want to empower are our patients, the people that we go and serve. We can give them medicine. We can do a procedure that will relieve um, a condition that they have. But how can we empower them to stay healthy? And so involving our teams in in health teaching is a really important uh, piece of what we do. Um, The second level of that is beginning to do some things that that are outside the box of our team that they can continue to do when we're gone. So, for example, when we were in Uganda last year, serving with Dr. Martin, who's here to my great uh, delight, um, one of the things that that our team did was not do just some medical clinics, but work with them on malaria prevention. And our partner raised some funds to distribute malaria nets to the people in the name of the church, so that was done. Along with that, some teaching. So, the other piece of that was working with the local pastor so that he can do that long after the team's gone. Because now there are local people that know about malaria prevention and know the importance of the nets, and you know we don't have to come teach them. They're perfectly capable of teaching and doing that and sharing that, that knowledge in the name of Christ. And so taking it to that next level of, yes, when we go, we can share and teach patients, but if we can teach locals that can keep teaching long after we're gone, then that, that's going to go a lot farther. And then that can go as far as developing a whole formal community health evangelism program. When we visited uh, a village, Kekwalik, Mexico, a couple years ago, at the end of that, that time where we were there serving in their community, we got the community leaders together, the mayor, the nurse, the health director, the doctors in town, and said, here are the findings. This is the diseases that we found in your area. And here are the ones that we think have an aspect of prevention that you can begin to be working on. And that really stimulated them to say, okay, yeah, we can do some other things for our health that don't depend on just outside medical teams. And that developed into going back uh, on a couple of different trips and began sharing with them the whole 
community health evangelism program and how they can actually start a program themselves and begin to impact their community. So that becomes a real empowering thing because now they're taking control and responsibility for health and development in their community. Um, there's a whole track here of different cor sec uh, courses about community health evangelism that will explain that in a lot more detail. But that, as we think about empowerment, that's one of the greatest ways I know of to, to really empower people where we get to serve. So we've talked about these four E's that I think are, are critical to making our, our Christian medical mission trip truly Christian. Uh, has to have evangelism involved. The other E's you could see maybe applied in, in non-Christian settings. They're not, not exclusive to Christian trips, but I think our Christianity takes them deeper and makes them more important. For example, excellence. When we're going to serve, and we know we're serving in the name of Christ and keep that at the front of our minds, it's going to motivate us to, to greater excellence. The same with our love and compassion, our empathy, and, and our focus on, on empowering. Because remember, the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. And so that is at its core, about empowering people um, to follow Christ. And so um, anything that we do in the context of a, a Christian medical mission needs to, to have that component. And we've got just a couple of minutes here, I think. Um, are there any questions, comments, discussion, maybe you, things you've experienced, things that you've done that you think would, would be a good idea that you want to share with the group? Yes? We were in a closed area of Ethiopia. And we couldn't openly evangelize. Mm -hmm. and so we purposely spread our clinic out around this compound we were in. And the local believers were our escorts from registration to, plant, to triage to the clinic they were in and then back up nearby pharmacy. So they established relationships. And it was new for the uh, Ethiopians. new for us, but it worked fantastic to establish relationships if they started a conversation, they could get contact information to do it to continue it later. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, it's all about relationships. And again, evangelism depends on the context. It isn't just a specific program or a specific thing that we do, but it's it's in our heart, and it's how are we going to um, interact with the people that we're there to give medical care to or to share with medical care to also share Christ. So yeah. And, uh, yes. One thing that that we've learned over the years is that each <coughs> provider, each uh, practitioner, we figure about five support people it takes for each practitioner. Mm -hmm. Because if the team is too small, you do have the temptation that it becomes humanitarian very quickly because mm -hmm. you don't have the people around you that can pray with people as they're coming in, pray with people as they're leaving. You, you end up getting focused on the care and not uh, so much the broader picture. And the whole reason you're there is because this crowd is drawn mm -hmm. that is a captive audience, so to mm -hmm. speak, to, to minister to people. Mm -hmm. And so we, we struggle with that always, is to have enough support people because so many people will say, well, if I could do what you do, I would go. Mm -hmm. And they, it's, it's very difficult to convince them that they are going to be useful. They just mm -hmm. have to get there to see their use. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and, and I think when we look at that, that whole issue of having enough people, that also involves our national partners and our national church because that's where they can be a big help, especially because of language barriers and cultural issues. 
that when we look at that, that whole support, that's included in that, that whole picture because that, that is a, a great help. Sometimes if we're working, we've worked with partners where we kind of have to impart that vision to them because they're living in a context where they see their people suffering greatly from disease. And if they can get some people to come in and help with medicine, they're excited. And sometimes they don't, don't always see that as a ministry opportunity as well. So, again, it can be something that helps empower our partners to see, yes, we want to come help meet this need in the name of Christ, but there's a, a big ministry opportunity here too. So, Yeah, David. Very much. That is a great point. It uh, reminds me, just uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in Nepal working with our partner, and one of the things that we were just talking a bit that, that he kind of shared in the course of our conversation was that he felt like he really had no friends where he was. Um, he's working in, in Nepal, has been through some great times of persecution and difficulty, and has built uh, just a wonderful ministry that God's blessing. But he's really out there on an island. Um, working as the, the head of this ministry and this network of churches, and really doesn't have that place where he can go to get that support sometimes. So that's another great role that a medical team can have is, is with our partners or with, um, you know, if it's with uh, expat missionaries from, from the U.S. or whatever, to, to be a support for them. That's, that's a great, great observation. I will be around afterwards. Uh, and I will also be at, we have a table, Go International, up on the second floor of the exhibit hall. So I'll be glad to talk to any of you more. My email is here on the screen. So if anyone has questions or things to share, um, I'm glad to do that. Uh, appreciate you all coming and being a part of this. Let me just close this in prayer as we uh, end the session. Lord, I just thank you for this time we've been able to spend together this morning, uh, looking in your word at some things that, that can help us as we seek to serve you better in this whole area of medical missions. Um, just thank you for, for being with us, being our teacher. I thank you for what you're doing throughout the world, uh, representing the lives of the people in this room and uh, those that will be touched for the kingdom through what they do. I just thank you and ask that you bless um, each of us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.